0: Welcome to the Flabby Bottom Flying Club Studios and the EAA Chapter 84 Podcast. I'm your host, David Weber. We have a great interview for you this month, a man who chooses to make a statement by doing rather than to boast about what he intends to do. You might not have heard about all of his adventures and accomplishments, but you will over the next hour or so from his California childhood to flying excursions throughout the Yukon territories, and how that flight led him to the choice to build his Zenith 701. We'll also hear about his connection to the famous Douglas World cruiser flights, and how he stumbled into a college acceptance at Cal Poly. If you haven't figured it out yet, I'm talking about the chapter's longtime member, Charlie O'Neill. Later in the interview, Charlie shares with us his experience in building and test flying his Zenith 701. He tells us how his training and planning paid off early during an in-flight emergency with his 701. Mr. O'Neill shares with us the details of that planning and where he learned it from. Charlie is a man of many nuances. His attention to detail and high standards are apparent throughout the interview. I think you will enjoy it. Once again, we conclude the podcast as I bring you the latest chapter news, including updates on meetings and events. Please, if you are enjoying these podcasts, I would encourage you to subscribe to EA Chapter 84 Podcast. Doing so helps keep this podcast going, but more importantly, it will help you know when a new podcast is available. We'll be right back after a quick break. Welcome to the Flabby Bottom Flying Club Studios, and this evening I have got... Uh one of uh, one of the members of the chapter that's been around for a while. And I feel he's got a great story to tell. He's Builder and flying that plane now. And uh, it's a of the 701. And, of course, I'm talking about Charlie O'Neill. Welcome to the studios, Charlie. Yeah, thanks, Dave. So let's kind of jump into a little bit of Charlie's history. Um, we were talking earlier, and I found out that you uh, had spent your youth in California. Tell our listeners about... Uh, whereabouts in California and what it was like growing up in that time
1: right right well our um my folks moved around um a lot when I was growing up every every couple of years we were moving to a different house but we kind of settled near uh Walnut Creek area just 30 miles uh, east of San Francisco
0: and was there anything at that time that kind of sparked aviation was there an airport around or something like that
1: well the um uh it's kind of interesting. Um, it's been, in, it's definitely been in my blood. Um, uh, my um, my grandfather had a friend who was one of the first people to fly around the world.
0: Wow, that's yeah. interesting. Tell yeah. me about yeah. that.
1: Yeah, and his his name was Jack Harding, and um, there was a uh, a group of I don't know six or seven De Havilland uh, or Douglas uh, airplanes that flew around the world and. And, uh, my grandpa's buddy was one of the guys, um, Jack Harding. And, um, my father, uh, liked building balsa wood airplanes. Okay. Uh, and Jack was kind of a, a mentor to him. And then, uh, my father, uh, later joined the Navy and flew in the Navy, um, uh, World War Two. So, um, I, when I was a kid, uh, I liked to read a lot. I, read everything, and then I found this book that he, my dad had called uh, First
0: World Flight, and it was the story of this guy. Who flew the Douglas. Yeah. It was a flight of three, I believe, right?
1: It was a. I I think they started out six or seven airplanes, okay. and... As they kept going around the world, <laughs> engine problems—you know—they uh, kept dropping
0: off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that so wasn't unheard of back yeah, in those yeah. years of aviation. Oh
1: yeah, and they started. They started in Seattle at at Sandpoint. Right, uh, and then they went um, they went west, west, and came all the way back around and landed Sandpoint. Did you about. ever
0: get to see the planes or meet uh, anybody I, that was involved in this? Uh,
1: no, because um, they were they were gone by the time I was interested. Uh, so I read the book. Um, so I was interested and, uh, I made some ball suit airplanes myself. And then, uh, when I was 10, uh, my dad started teaching me how to fly. And it was out of, uh, the Tracy airport, which is, um, kind of near Stockton. And, uh, it,
0: and So your dad was a pilot at this point. Yeah. Oh, well,
1: great. no, he he um, he was no longer a pilot after the war. Okay. Um, but uh, we rented a Cherokee
0: 140. Oh, great!
1: Uh, and I sat on a um, big seat cushion. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Still couldn't reach the rudder it, pedals. Bear,
1: right? I'm not quite sure how how I, re- I I reached them. Really? Yeah, I'm not quite sure how we MacGyvered that, but.
0: Um, but you managed.
1: But I managed, and so I got um, learned learned how to, you know, bank and, and go up and down, and I think uh, I didn't start landing till I was eleven. Okay. Um,
0: and, That's pretty incredible, though, yeah. to be able to something at that age actually yeah. maneuver the aircraft and and be yeah. confident enough to do that.
1: Yeah. And then he so pretty much I was hooked on flying, you know, because as you can imagine. Right. Uh, and then. Uh
0: so was this still down in California that you were yeah. doing all this stuff? Yeah. Okay, Do you have brothers or sisters that I
1: I had uh, I had a younger sister, um, but she's into art. So um, she
0: wasn't interested she, in aviation no, at all? No. Mom?
1: No, she's a good cook.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Thank God for mom's. Yeah, that I know, are good amen.
1: <laughs> so um but yeah, uh so but I I wanna um, soloing on my birthday, um, on your 16th, on my 16th birthday. Oh, wow, that's great. We would didn't get that many lessons between 10 and 16 because well, it cost money. Even all then, right. it was expensive. And it's hard to Im- even imagine that it was expensive back then, but still it was expensive well, for our family.
0: Yeah, when you take into account inflation yeah. and all that monetary yeah. stuff, it, I imagine it probably might have been a slightly cheaper, but probably not. Yeah. You know, I mean, a house back then cost, what, $20,000. Yeah, yeah. Good luck with that today. That's not yeah, even a exactly. down payment.
1: Yeah. So that, that just about, if you go by uh, 10 times, because um, I think it was like $15 an hour to rent. Yeah. Um, and it's about it's 150 about 100, yeah, 150
0: to 180
1: for a yeah. yeah. Yikes. So um, so then I went away to school. I was broke for six years. Wait,
0: you were a college student that was well, broke?
1: <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, then I picked it no, up. No, that's impossible. Yeah, I know.
0: <laughs> Same here. Yeah, so. Uh, so Macaroni and cheese and wieners. That, that was the uh, the meal at college.
1: Well, we had a lot of saltine crackers too. <laughs> so where was school? Where would you head off to school? So I went to, um, uh, first I went to school up in, uh, to a prep school up in, Victoria, oh, actually, okay. um, and uh, then went there for a couple of years, and then, um, believe it or not, when I was applying to universities, you know, you always have to have your backup school, right? Of course. Yeah. So I, um, I applied to uh, Stanford because that was a dream place, and uh, Notre Dame because my mom uh uh-huh, because we were catholic
0: okay
1: uh and then i was like looking through the books and it's like hey this this looks like a trade school best trade school in, in the united states mm-hmm. uh, and i could i love working with my hands i could do HVAC, electrical plumbing all kinds of stuff so i applied to that school and um then you have to get teachers recommendations right. so yeah you know when you're 17 what do you know uh, so my physics teacher goes, well, "Do you know what this school is?" Yeah, it's a trade school. Well, it was California Institute of Technology. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just a just a little trade school.
1: <laughs> yeah, because because it was small. Uh, and um, and he, are you really sure? Say, so I said, Oh sure." But then it, then I, then I also then I had a clue by that right.
0: Then because he was making a big deal.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, um but I wound up getting in there and um uh I did learn a lot, um, but um I definitely wasn't at the top of my class there.
0: That's, that's for sure. That's a tough thing to go school. there and I mean that's that's a, a level above. It's, yeah, that's very tough. It's not evergreen. <laughs>
1: um but i had some good teachers had some bad ones and uh but the good ones um you know gave me the kind of like the gravitas to do anything in the end it was it's it's all the same equations out there it's just different letters you know it's for uh, electricity it's um v equals ir uh, and you know for heat exchange you got to um, coefficient of thermal,
0: whatever and, right. and H and it's just different letters. So if of the you were good formulas, at math, you could yeah. just apply it to whatever yeah. that was. Yeah. So were you doing any flying while you were going to Caltech, or broke. just just broke and broke. nobody took pity on you to, to to offer you a flight or anything? Yeah. Huh? No,
1: no, no. But um,
0: did it but impress okay. the girls though that you had soloed at least in an airplane?
1: Well, at the time <laughs> uh, there was. The ratio of men to women was <laughs> 11 to 1 or something like that. So, picking, so picks yeah. were
0: slim, right? Yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. So, but I got up here. Uh, oh, I, I found a Boeing didn't even recruit down there. Um, okay. But uh, I, I wanted to get away from the smog in Pasadena. It was just so smoggy down there.
0: So where did you end up graduating with? What degree?
1: Um, engineering degree.
0: Okay, um, just a general engineering degree.
1: I was kind of arrogant, mm-hmm. um, and I thought, "Well, I'm just going to study mechanical, electrical, software. Just take them all, because why not, not learn them all? Yeah. So I I graduated with a general degree.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So that so, applies to a lot of different fields, though. So.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it's all the same equations. Yeah, just different letters. So,
0: so after college, you started applying for jobs and.
1: Yeah. And I didn't, I just realized I didn't want to be in a smoggy area. And, uh, I found in the recruiting office, some, somebody's a Boeing business card and I did a cold call. Um, and, um, the guy invited me up for, uh, an interview, um, it was a one-day play, um, and they offered me a job, and I came up here.
0: And that's that was
1: it. And that was it. I, at one point, uh, mid-career, I did. I was. Uh, I did quit because uh, I was frustrated about the ineptness of Boeing management.
0: Oh, so yeah. it wasn't a steady thirty-year career at Boeing. You did?
1: No, I did quit, and then I was ran a little spring-making company. Okay. Um, and it's uh, easier said than done running a small company.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Been there. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. You work the hardest. Oh, yeah. yeah. You're, and you're, your boss is the worst person in the world, right? Oh, yeah. Yourself. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah.
1: So, um, so then, so in the end, that didn't work out, but in the, but it did work out as far as personal learning goes. Uh, I was. Away from Boeing for two years, then I went back, and the rest is history.
0: So that's so you during your first day at Boeing. What was your position? What were you doing? Oh, so what I've were been, you working on?
1: I worked um, did spacecraft or orbital mechanics. Kind of, the, it was the whole um, satellite stuff in space for about. 15 years
0: was that here in Everett or was it down that in Kent down in Kent yeah. okay so at, you were down there yeah.
1: and then um and all the while since now I had an income then mm-hmm. I you know at first paycheck I got a mattress and a guitar <laughs> <laughs> um and then the second paycheck I started up uh, flying lessons again oh really yeah
0: where was that at
1: at um at Galvin's at Boeing Field
0: oh
1: and uh so after six years, I sold it again, um, and uh, as as we all know, when you've sold it, you're kind of pretty jacked up about it. Oh yeah. And uh, I'm driving home, uh, and I got a speeding ticket.
0: <laughs> You'll never forget that, yeah. will you? <laughs> from, a, from an ultimate high to, to a getting just crush pulled over, you, just crushing. Yeah. And he wouldn't let you off. You were like, I no, just soloed. No.
1: I, I didn't. I've lucked out a lot with the cops, but not that day. Did you even pull that
0: card? Like, I, I just soloed. I was excited. Probably. <sighs> yeah. Didn't work. Dang it. So You tried. I tried. You tried. did not always work. <laughs> <laughs> so how much longer did it take before you actually got your uh, PPL so, after that?
1: So I think I got it in all... My all-in was whatever... Forty to fifty hours somewhere, okay. and then um, and then it was just well let's let's spend more money and get your instrument rating, and I had a really good uh, instrument flight instructor, and uh, and then I stopped after getting the commercial and um, float plane rating.
0: Wow! Yeah. So you just kept going with all yeah.
1: that. Yeah. So um, and then I I I considered going into the airlines. Uh, but their their schedule is so unstable, right? And I just right, couldn't, right. Have a, uh, I couldn't have a couldn't have a a regular outside life. So I decided to just have it as my avocation instead of vocation.
0: Yeah, you probably have. I mean, unless one of those careers where unless you have that calling, it's just yeah, it's a lot of work.
1: It's a lot of work. Yeah, yeah, um, but it's pretty fun flying though, right?
0: I. I love flying, but I'm a homebody. I yeah. like going home, and yeah. and like you, I like wrenching on things. Yeah. So for yeah. me to have a, a shop or a garage that I can go wrench on things is right. just means a lot to me. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I, I know a lot of people who are airline pilots that, especially in the beginning, you're just working, 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 yeah. and working for little pay. So, right. But I can understand why. Yeah. So you're, you, you get all these instrument, you get all these ratings, one right after another, and the whole time you're working at Boeing. How long did it take you to go from your your private to your commercial? Were we uh, talking?
1: I think it was two years.
0: Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. And all the Galvin.
1: Then, yeah. Mm-hmm. Just uh years. Then I and then I switched over to the Boeing Flying Club and flew in the Boeing Flying Club for a decade or so.
0: That was out of Renton?
1: Uh, they were in, out of Boeing Field. Oh, okay. Um, and then they saw the writing on the wall mm. as far as um, cost of hangars and ramp ramp costs. And so then they moved to
0: Renton. So what kind of airplanes were you flying when you were getting all this stuff Well, Well, um,
1: the best one, um, and, and when you're single. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. get to spend as much money as you, as you have, <laughs> as, as opposed to 25% of it. <laughs> yeah, that
0: is the right equation, Yeah, 25%. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, but we had, uh, the Boeing Flying Club had a um, a Turbo 210. Oh, wow. Which I called the Golden Chariot. Um,
0: yeah, get up and go.
1: Oh, my gosh. We would, we, I've... Went down to California a few times, and um, and, and went to Sun Valley, and um, yeah, it was a lot of fun to fly that plane. Very stable, very stable in um, for instrument flying.
0: So, would you just take a couple days off of work and sure, just go down there and?
1: Well, I'd go with my buddies. Oh, okay. we'd, we'd go either skiing or hiking or go home. Uh, to California to visit mom and dad um and yeah one one time we had a tailwind it took us two and a half hours to get down to <laughs> to reno so oh that's, that's amazing yeah and then uh and then it took us four and a half hours to get back because
0: because you yeah now you got a wind. headwind
1: um but what but, time
0: of year was this
1: uh it was it was wintertime Oh. Uh, you know, February, March. Oh, okay. Yeah. Still yeah.
0: you got icing conditions to worry about and all that oh, yeah. fun stuff.
1: Yeah. Well, the one, one I I call myself um a cautious adventurer. Mm-hmm. So I mean I'll I'll you know, we go flying. Right. Uh, go flying in the clouds. But um I'll like avoid that temperature band um as much as possible. <laughs> It's like, I don't want to be there. Uh, yeah. But when you have to fly up through it or down through it, you get icing and you're, you're just scared to be jabbers, but somehow you don't accumulate enough to actually get in trouble.
0: Yeah, that's the plan anyhow. Yeah,
1: that's the plan.
0: Wow. So, And so you just keep doing all this flying. Uh, were any other exciting places that you went to other than down in uh California area.
1: Um well, no, uh we uh, so when I decided to um uh, leave the Flying Boeing Flying Club, um, I burnt off my my deposit mm-hmm. and so I flew up to Yukon. Oh wow. And that was a that was a really fun flight.
0: Um, just by yourself or yeah,
1: just by myself? Oh wow, that's just, great. I like I like looking out the window.
0: Well, hopefully you had an autopilot.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, no, that, yeah, the, uh, no autopilots back then. Well, that you could afford,
0: yeah, nothing that you yeah. could afford, yeah. So, I'm sure, I'm sure there were autopilots, but not for most yeah. GA aircraft, yeah.
1: But, yeah, let's see, I flew to, uh, um, uh, Minnesota and back. Uh, we flew, my dad and I flew to his college in Grinnell, Iowa, and back one year. We flew around. Grand Canyon and Utah.
0: I'm kind of interested times. in the Yukon flight. Where where did you go there? You
1: go up. Uh, basically, you uh, go up the Fraser River, okay. R- Fraser River Valley, and up. Um, I'm not sure what they call it. 97 something Canadian 97, and you, you're you're just in the middle of nowhere for over a thousand miles. I, I can't remember how far it is.
0: Where Where did you end up staying then?
1: Ah. Uh, Sometime, uh, I think a couple of days, um, one a couple of days, just one day it was in the airplane. That wasn't very comfortable.
0: You actually slept in the yeah, plane?
1: Yeah. Another day on the ground, that was more comfortable. <laughs> and then in,
0: probably cold though, huh?
1: Yeah. But then in a, a hotel is even more comfortable.
0: Oh, yes. Yeah. Shower, so, yeah, meals. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So. So that's, that's fine. So, was,
0: so back then, so, I'm a little bit interested. You would land at an airport. Obviously, this is somewhat, I don't want to call it desolate, but it's not highly populated areas. Right. How do you get from the airport to the hotel or wherever you're staying?
1: Well, um, that was before I figured out. I think that was before I figured out. No, they didn't even have like a courtesy card. Yeah. yeah. So um, that's probably why I just slept in. Yeah. <laughs> it's a long time ago. That's probably heart. why I slept in the airplane because yeah. there, there was nowhere to go. Um but um uh, but I think at Fort Liard, um, which was up there in the Yukon, um, it somehow um I hitched hike into town and they had um uh a place to sleep. So
0: so you couldn't, like, call yeah. up the hotel on your cell phone and tell them to come pick you right. up. Right,
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. You just land in this airport and... Yeah, but they're always, you know, people like planes coming into places like that. Because, oh, yeah. I mean, that's a lifeline um, for a lot of places. I mean, obviously, they're, they're always on, or, on a highway. I mean, you're not going to find any towns that are not on a highway.
0: But So was the flight pretty smooth? Did you have yeah. any what was the biggest that, obstacle you ran into on that flight
1: that that one um wasn't there it was just smooth sailing um i uh on a different flight though i did um uh was i tuned into the wrong um um vor um okay and it took me a while to figure out that i was tuned in this was coming back from Sun Valley that was tuned into the wrong VOR and it was getting really cloudy. Um, uh, and then I figured, okay, well, uh, you got to do something about it. <laughs> and so I noticed a, um, um, a farmer's field down, uh, a farmer's runway down below. Okay. And so I wound up doing a precautionary landing down there just as the, um, uh, clouds were sailing overhead, so we were stuck for uh, a day um, at at this farmer's house, and um, nobody was there. Oh, and you're was, kidding! Back then, nobody locked doors, so we went uh, inside and called the cops on us. <laughs> and that
0: that must have been a great phone call for yeah. the for the cop on the other end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, nine one one, and uh, and so uh, so the police came and picked us up <laughs> and took us into town and
0: yeah, uh, that's hilarious. Yeah,
1: so well, that's um, one way
0: to get a ride into town.
1: That's yeah. See, it is before Uber. So wow. yeah.
0: Well, you know what we used to do before Uber is you would call up and order a pizza. Oh, really? Yeah. And then that okay. way the, the pizza guy would come out, and then you'd give him money to drive you into town.
1: <laughs> eh, see, there's always some tricks to there's learn al- from these people. There's
0: always one way or another to yeah. kind of do things. Yeah. So, so now yeah. You're, you've are you got a lot of flying on your belt at this time, right? I mean, you, you've yeah. flown several different types of airplanes. I don't know, what, five, ten different types yeah. of airplanes? And where do you start getting this itch to build something?
1: So um, <clears throat> I was, I was a friend. Uh, uh, a friend and I went to visit another friend in um, Tanzania, and um, we're there uh, we climbed up Mount Kilimanjaro, and then I wanted to visit a um, a, a principal friend, uh, per, a person who was a principal at a school, um, and I'm talking to my friend to go visit mm-hmm. that person and um, it's only 60 miles away as the crow flies but to take the bus was going to take me a day to get there and a day to get back and it it impressed upon me that you know I, I couldn't visit my friend because of the time crunch of the time crunch when just 60 miles I could have just flown huh in a airplane that could land on in a field.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Some sort of off airport operation. And and that's, and
1: that's what kind of gave me the, the vision for some, something, whether it be a, um, it wouldn't be a cub because you'd have to, I'd have to buy it. I couldn't afford it. I, I don't know how people afford airplanes, new airplanes now.
0: It's a mystery to me. Yeah.
1: Um, (laughs) So um so you'd have to build one to afford a plane.
0: So you first looked at buying something and you just realized that anything that would do the mission was yeah,
1: just not gonna happen. Um, okay. because I didn't have my AMP right. license. Um so uh so that's what got me interested in building something because I wanted to have an airplane and I wanted to have something that would fly that would land in a short spot.
0: So, about what year was this that you? So,
1: that, that was about 93. Okay. And then, um, uh, then then of course, the miracle happened and I got married. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it was a miracle. <laughs> I don't know. Did the miracle happen?
0: I. I have no complaints. Yeah, yeah. No complaints whatsoever. So. I managed to trick her. Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
1: Love <laughs> well, was blind.
0: Yes, it was a lot of wine. <laughs> yeah. Wine or blind? One of the two. Maybe it was and both. It,
1: and then she goes, hey, wait a minute.
0: <laughs> What's this ring on my finger? Yep, yep, yep.
1: So um, so that's when it came back to the 25 cents on the dollar Um being married <laughs> and having some kids
0: but yeah yeah once you have kids it's it's a, it's brutal at that point yeah. so so
1: then my father and I started thinking about well hey let's build something together and so then we did our, we started doing our research and he he taught me to work with my hands and he was handy with his hands and he and uh, my mom had retired up to Anacortis and so we had this brilliant idea that he would, he would work on parts of the airplane um, mm-hmm. in his garage, and I would work on parts in my garage, and eventually we would
0: now, put had the you parts settled, together. Had you settled on the airplane yet?
1: No, it took us a couple of years to research and um, decide which plane we wanted. And how
0: did you? What was the priorities? How did you decide on this? Did you well, did you actually the, do a spreadsheet, or was it a? The, a good
1: feel uh, all well all engineers use spreadsheets okay. yeah for sure and then um uh kit planes magazine this mm-hmm. it's the bomb mm-hmm. you know they had every year they have their uh kit kit issue kit plane issues right. all the ones and um <clears throat> and then uh we we had our mission requirements which were um uh something both of us could build comfortable building uh, had to be relatively quick build because he didn't have many years left um, or he didn't know how many years left he'd have um, okay and then um, and then not fast it had it had to have well it could be fast. If it landed and took take off slowly, right. that'd be the ideal plane, right? right. right. That
0: that huge envelope, yeah. the yeah. holy grail of airplanes, yeah. right? Yeah.
1: yeah. So, um, unfortunately, that's not out there right now. Um, so we so uh, we narrowed it down um, to um, the Jabiru. Uh, we like that one. Um, the the Jabiru
0: um, aircraft, yeah, Jabiru okay. aircraft, three twenty. Is that what it is?
1: Is I think is like a one forty. I, I can't yeah. remember. Um, I know what you are talking about. The high then, wing, yeah,
0: all composite yeah. type of aircraft. Yeah. yeah, and
1: then the um the Savannah, which was a knockoff from the Zenith seven hundred one. Um Was that fabric? It was no. It was it was literally. A, it almost is a knockoff. Really it was, yeah. yeah. Huh. Um,
0: I will have to look that one up. I don't and, I don't remember seeing that one. Yeah.
1: And, and then we so we flew all three of them. Okay. We we found the closest airplane to us, flew all three of them, and then um in and, and then it turned out um in Mexico, Missouri was the f- first airport that my dad flew out of when he was learning how to fly in the Navy.
0: Okay.
1: Um they would um they would take the recruits up and um, give them 10 hours of Cub time. And if they didn't get sick, <laughs> uh, they'd move on to uh, steer. You pass. Man. They'd move on to steerman. So.
0: After 10 hours?
1: Yeah. Oh they, my gosh. So, um, so that was between that and Zenith, you know, obviously they, they have a, a lot going for them. Right. Yeah, so that's that's what made our decision. Huh. To go with it,
0: and so you flew all the airplanes, came out with Zenith, and yeah. was there any uh, decision based on how buildable or or so the, t- affordability? The,
1: the, by that time, um, uh, what I like to do in general as a as an engineer is um, set up three um, three alternatives that. No, no matter which I pick, it's going to wind up being okay. Okay. Um, So um, it was, if I'd picked the other Savannah or the Jabiru, that would have been fine too. Yeah.
0: You um, would have been happy. Yeah.
1: But I'm definitely happy with this airplane.
0: Yeah. Um, and tell. I yeah, mean, you can tell. Yeah, You're yeah, flying it all over the yeah, place. So Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, yeah. Um, and uh, you know, one could argue you know, in hindsight it was the best choice, but but at the time um we didn't look at it that way. It was just it was it was you know, we picked it. Mm-hmm. But it could have been another one.
0: Now had you toured the factory or anything? Yeah. Yet? Okay. So you toured factory, how'd you come up with the engine then? What engine uh, were you gonna use?
1: So uh if I was gonna ever fly in a third world country uh-huh. like um Tanzania. Okay. Um, the gas is quality of gas is horrible.
0: Yeah, and and avgas is almost extinct.
1: Yeah, so I wanted to get a um, so as we're researching engines, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> wanted to get uh, an engine that would work in, um, you know, in a, in places where there was bad gas. Yeah basically like a
0: third world type of
1: yeah So and so the Rotax 80 the um, the UL um, it I think it's certified for up to 20% um, um, alcohol Mm -hmm. and 85 octane okay and and although I do take care of my gas (laughs) um And uh but just knowing that it would work on just who knows what, right, what you'd get um, and just keep on going that, that's,
0: that's, that's what it,
1: that's what sealed the deal um, for that.
0: yeah, it definitely wasn't a cost factor because that's not a cheap engine. They weren't they
1: they weren't as expensive. Um, but uh, we also got a um an engine that had three hundred and ninety hours on it.
0: Oh, okay.
1: So, um, so in the end, it was like six thousand dollars, six or seven thousand dollars.
0: Oh, well, that's in, great. So, yeah, that that makes it affordable.
1: Yeah,
0: and you've been and, happy with it.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, and there was some initial um, uh, teething pains, um, probably because it was sitting a long time and mm-hmm. the rubbers in the um, the rubbers in the uh, carburetors. Yeah. kind of would would leak and.
0: Yeah, all that stuff supposed to be replaced like every five years yeah. or so many hours. Yeah, and
1: right. then it's sta- and then it's stabilized. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, engines like to be run. And once once I was running it, then all those little trips right just kind of went away. Um, huh. And uh, yeah, really happy with the engine.
0: So let's back up a little bit and kind of talk. To our our listeners about your build process. How did you start off the build? I mean, did you order all of the kit at once, or did you piecemeal it? And what what did you start off with?
1: Right. So um, we did. We we went back to Missouri, um, Mexico, Missouri, and we did build the rudder.
0: Okay. There at the factory. At the factory. With their with their what do they call it uh, builder assist or something like that
1: yeah yeah okay. they there was a there was a couple of people there it was a it was a class and mm-hmm. um and really in uh you know in the end I was really happy with Zenith just for sure um but you know could it con with others um yeah but uh so then we bought the the kit and that was before they drilled holes pre drilled oh, holes. so it
0: wasn't pre punched
1: yeah yeah yeah. And uh, the thing, I know your misery. <laughs> yeah, the savanna, um, which which met all our mission needs, mm-hmm. was pre punched. Oh, and that's why I was really looking at that. And then when I when I look at when I was looking at it and flew it, uh, I thought, you know, I could do a better job marking <laughs> and drilling <laughs> my own holes than those. Pre-punched holes in the savannah. Do you still
0: feel that way? I was, I was so arrogant.
1: Um, I was—I don't know what I was thinking.
0: You didn't know.
1: I didn't know right? how hard it would be. Yeah. Um,
0: you know, it's about education. Right? The, the the certification yeah. on an EAB aircraft is education, and right? Is,
1: and I, I definitely got educated. <laughs> yeah. So you know it, it arrives in a big box. Um, everything's in a ten foot, uh, ten foot by four foot by three foot. So you order tall. the
0: whole kit at once. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And where did you end up building this at then? So
1: then we built it uh, in my garage. Okay. Uh, and unfortunately, my pa- my father passed away yeah. after, after we built the bench. Um, so that was so so my uh, build schedule. Got a big hit against him. Yeah, it. yeah. Um,
0: but he's still there supporting yeah. you all the way. Oh yeah. Everything that and, you learned.
1: And it took me so long. Um, it took over uh, eleven years before first flight. Yeah. And
0: there's nothing wrong with that at yeah. all. Yeah.
1: So so I I actually uh, mark uh, life events by what what right. I was what part of the airplane I was
0: working on. <laughs> But you finished. But I did finish it. You finished. Yeah. How many kits are sold that are never finished? Oh, yeah. It's got to be more than 50%. Oh, yeah.
1: I bet. Sadly. Yeah. um, Because I actually, I really can't figure out uh, what I like better, flying or building. Because when I'm flying, I love it. And when I'm building... (laughs) Or repairing, mm-hmm. which is now I'm a, a repairman. Yeah.
0: You never stop working. On yeah,
1: it. and even though I'm frustrated to have to repair something, right? Somehow I'm I'm kind of enjoying it. You know, as I'm working building a new piece, or um,
0: and the freedom that it's you get to do this, yeah. and you have the freedom to do what you want to do on yeah. that airplane, and uh, to, I don't want to use the word play, but you know, test. Right. Right. And as an engineer, you have that engineering mind where you go, Oh, I know how I could do this and you lay out a plan, and you go put that plan into action, and then you get to go test it. And to yeah. me, uh, oh, that's just yeah. it's really nice. That's just yeah, that's heaven. Yeah. I absolutely love that. Mm-hmm. So you built the, the tail in in the garage, you built the bench, you got The the fuselage done first or did you go Uh, right to the wings?
1: We went, um, I did the, uh, stabilizer, um, and, um, wound up scrapping it. (laughs) (laughs) Did a second stabilizer and then one by one. Were you um, just
0: not happy with it because you had to drill the holes? Well,
1: because, uh, you know, you're, you're, um, you got to build to standards. Right. Um and uh the zenith they have some standards that they lay out um and uh and then there's the AC4313 mm-hmm. those standards um and then um, you have the uh, tech counselors right and um and so there was there was too many holes that were too close to the edge distance right and um i just Wasn't going to feel comfortable, so we scrapped it.
0: That is completely your prerogative, and I encourage people to do that. If if you're not happy with it, you know, kind of harsh to say it, but it's not only your butt on the line, but you've got
1: everyone else's. Everybody else
0: that's riding with you too, And,
1: and your family doesn't want to see you bite the dust. No, yeah, no, so. But uh, yeah, so one piece by piece, we I made it. Uh, got some help from my son and wife when need be, and then would suck it up to the um, to the ceiling of the garage uh, because at least one car always had to be parked in there.
0: <laughs> I have the same rule yeah, in my house. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. The wife
0: always gets her car. Yeah, in. Yep. yeah.
1: So um, and then eventually. Uh, uh, there's a here's a funny story. Um uh, eventually had to go to hangar and thankfully EAA eighty four hangar was available. Great. Some somebody in a uh in a six oh one some I'm not sure what who those crazy guys were. They finally finished their six oh one and got it out of there. <laughs> um uh and uh Jim. Yeah man. um and uh so my friend um who ran a small company said, "Hey, I uh, I could bring my truck by, and we could put um, the air, the fuselage, and everything in the back of the panel truck." And so um, i said, oh great because because I, I gave him the dimensions of uh-huh. the fuselage and it was already on the engine and I test got the engine working at home and right. just couldn't do anything else more at home. So he brings his panel truck. Um, and while the panel truck, the gate is, uh, you know, three and a half feet, four feet off the, right off the, um, driveway. Well, and the, the ramp is just a, you know, a skinny ramp, two feet. (laughs) So, um, you need two of those. So, well, yeah. And long ones too. (laughs)
0: So yeah, that's, that's uh, a heck of an incline. Yeah.
1: So we didn't have one. Uh, but at the time I was into CrossFit. OK. And uh, and <laughs> and then my other fr- my friend, he was a weightlifter. So we actually I, I lifted one <laughs> one uh, wheel from the main landing gear and he lifted the other one. And the and neighbors were just and, sitting and there we, watching this. And we, wheel, and we wheel-barreled it up, <laughs> up the ramp and into the...
0: So the wheel, the front wheel was on the ramp.
1: Yeah. And, and we secured it <laughs> and you guys... so that it wouldn't um, twist. Uh,
0: wouldn't turn as it was turn. going up. Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. And, um, hey, where there's a wheel, there's a way, right? Yeah,
1: and no hernia. <laughs> and we wheel-barreled it down at the... EAA hangar and you know uh, we, all people, we
0: do people do stupid things. Well, um, yeah, but it's fun. Yeah, that's but it's fun. That's part of the fun. It's part of the fun. So, the I want to back up just a little bit with the you built the wings or the fuselage first? Which
1: one? Wing, uh, wings first.
0: Okay, and why did you do that?
1: Uh, because I could uh, I could suck it up to the um, ceiling. Okay, and for. And until I actually, um, it was actually, until I, I put the engine on, uh, we parked both cars in the garage.
0: Okay.
1: Um, but finally, at the point where I had to put the engine on, one car had to go. Right. So that was the reason, that was the bill sequence was so that I can maximize the amount of time I had <laughs> two cars in the garage.
0: So then you get down to the the chapter hanger and the wings go on. And yeah, how quick did it go after that?
1: I think it took a year, okay. a year and a half. Um, did you
0: find it more difficult now that the plane was down at Harvey yeah. to get down there and work on it?
1: Well, main mainly because the all the tools, every tool that you wanted was somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, you need a set of yeah. three.
1: Yeah, and 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 uh, and then in daily life the tool that you wanted is at the hangar
0: of course
1: yeah so uh so that adds some time but um it's still a lot of fun going in working in the hangar uh and then i had i brought my dog i can't we can't show it on the um audio but um (laughs) our our dog would guard the airplane you know while i was building it and it was a lot of fun that's great and i could take and i'd also take a nap in the in the ready room.
0: <laughs> so kind of walk our, our listeners here now through the process of where you realized that you were ready for an inspection. How did you know that that time had come?
1: Well, it's it's kind of a fear factor mm-hmm. because once once you rivet something down, you're not going to be able to see it anymore. Okay. see inside anymore and so um there's all uh i don't know. i can't exp- i can't really explain why one person can't see like this cap mm-hmm. but sometimes I can't see that cap um right there um and and if you're gonna button some up you you don't want to miss anything right <laughs> and so that the other um, trained eyes, it they doesn't they don't have to be awfully trained. Um, it just be a person trained enough to go, hey, that, that looks a little weird. What's that cap doing there? Um, and so you would find. So, so, so I'd get somebody to comment and take a look. Um, and um, different Chapter 84 friends. So, mm-hmm. Sometimes I had tech counselor. Okay. Come, um, and sometimes just other other friends um, would come by and take a look. And, um, you know, I give them some blue tape. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a that's a, a trick. You know, you just, if, if you have a question about something, just put a little piece of blue tape right there. And so they would put blue tape. And, and then we would go, go over address it. that. Yeah. They would just talk about it and half the time is like well it's supposed to be that way and the other half the time it's like well i don't know maybe i should do something about it okay so that's that's why i would engage tech counselors i just did i just don't trust my eyes
0: well that's a sign of a good engineer right there right yeah
1: well that's called experience yeah um yeah, this you're not arrogant, experience. you
0: know, that you're you're human, you make uh, mistakes, well, you overlook things. So. It, was,
1: it was like when I got lo- talking about getting lost and having to land in a farmer's yeah. field. I was, I had dialed in the VOR, I can't remember what the frequency was. I was on that frequency for over an hour, and I never realized that I dialed in the wrong
0: yeah.
1: VOR. Just, ha- happily flying the wrong way.
0: Yeah, well, I'm sure you weren't the first. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, so, that doesn't happen as much I, anymore.
1: I do like it's nice having a couple of people in the cockpit.
0: Yeah. 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 Well, I often uh, comment to people that when you have something like a modern glass panel, it's almost like having a, a second pilot there with you. Especially when you have audible alerts. You know, yeah. you get to that that oil pressure or oil temperature or cylinder temperature, things that you might not notice because you're looking out the window. Right, and having that. So, did you test all of your systems down at Harvey? Did you do some taxing? What so I did. I
1: did all the. I did all the electrical work at right. home, okay, um, and got everything up and running. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, since the wings are folding wings on this airplane, mm-hmm. um, you know, I. I I fueled and tested the fuel gauges, and we did engine runs. Uh, we did, and we did every, we got everything working, um, and then it was basically put together. Okay. Uh, and like I said, it took another year just to right because um, the of rigging. Uh, it took me a long time to get it rigged right. Um, oh really? With the uh, with the cables, um, and I. Because the drawing, even though it is a thick drawing set, I just couldn't. Uh, I just couldn't get it right. But in the end, I did. Um, now, well, is it, I think is it I cable?
0: All the systems,
1: the ailerons, yeah. flaps, everything is cable. Uh, the backside is all cables, and then the um, the ailerons are pu- um, push push rods. Okay. So, so then yeah. So then um, taxi tests and.
0: Then a uh, flight test, all out of Harvey. So how did the paperwork uh, that you submitted to the FAA, how long did that take? And did you find that complicated, or was it pretty easy?
1: Well, um, asking a lot of people who went ahead of me that at least mm-hmm. I knew what to do. Okay. And then I had everything. I had kept um, a lot of records, all my drawings, sketches, for, like, electrical and um, the engine work. And um, it wasn't pro-quality. All all my document, none of my documentation is pro-quality. But it's it's adequate quality. (laughs) And so I had everything laid out uh, for the DARs when they came. And who was that? It was actually a couple... Couple of people from the FAA office down in, is it Mido? Yeah. Down in in Auburn area, mm-hmm. uh, or SeaTac Auburn area. They came up, and took a, you know, they they look at the they looked at my documentation more than they looked at the airplane. Wow. Um, and um, but I had it all laid out on those those side tables in the right. hangar.
0: And what documentation? were they looking at?
1: Well, um, the um. Like a build log, so, or so was it just- I had my build. I had I had three build logs by that time. Okay, um, and they they were they were asking about torque values, of uh, course, um, and uh, the um, the drawing set um, photos. Um, they wanted to know that I was using reasonable quality parts, right. so I had all my receipts from. Wasn't Home Stein, Depot Steiner,
0: yeah,
1: um, and I think I did confess on a couple of Home Depot parts, um, <laughs> where wherein you couldn't find them in the aircraft spruce. Right, I got I actually got a lot of nylon spacers out of um, from Ace Hardware. Okay, it was hard to find elsewhere, um, but um, you know they want to know what kind of hoses I got, right. Um, and whether it met, you know, whatever that ASTM standard is. Okay. Um, I don't, I don't know it all, right off the top. So yeah, that's what they want to know. The qual, they want to do quality build. Right. That's what that's and so quality build is the parts, and also right. uh, the process of assembling it, and then finally the assembly, and they, you know, they. They always go to where their experience has shown things to not fit well. Okay. And so they checked those areas on my airplane. um, And then they gave me my airworthiness certificate. Um, So that literally took, um, and it was two guys. um, So it took about four hours. Okay. And one guy was in training. And so he wrote my airworthiness certificate. Apparently he he made a mistake. Um, and so he had, he called me up a couple, a week or so later, he said, hey, you know, I don't think I wrote this out correctly. So he had to give me a new airworthiness certificate. I'm fine. Yeah,
0: know. yeah. He hadn't flown yet. So what was phase one testing like? What was your approach to that?
1: So, um, uh, so there's, there's tech counselors, but then there's a, a flight counselor. Okay. And one of the guys at Boeing, his name is Tom Staggs, uh, he was my flight counselor. All so right. we went, and that, un, unfortunately, uh, it was before those cards came out, test cards right. came out. So um, so I had to come up with my own test plans, um, but we we went over the um, first few flights um, together. And he gave gave me some uh, good advice. Um, he said, um, don't have your wife there um, when you do your first flight. <laughs> uh, and his reasoning was just... Because weird things happen right. with family members. Yeah. Like, weird emotional things happen. There, you got to be like completely objective right. on the first you flight. You got to be focused on yeah. what you're doing. Yeah. And and even so, um, you know, I had I had goofed, um, and I had the um, what ha- what happened was I had uh, the throttle system all dialed in um, and r- run the engine quite a number of times, taxied, um, and then I had the um, one a mechanic come out and. Take another look at the engine before mm-hmm. I went flying, and he wanted to adjust the th- he, wound up tweak, w- he wanted adjusting tweak he wanted just he he was balancing the carbs that's what he was doing, mm-hmm. um and uh, and so you have to adjust the there's two throttles two right. carbs and two throttles, uh, two throttle linkages um and so he wound up adjusting them, and I didn't go back and s- see how he adjusted them. It's like well, he's a pro, he does it right. Um, well, so then on my first flight, you, you take off, um, and, uh, you, um, go up and then you, you practice the landing in the air right? and then you go around. Um, and so when I practiced the landing in the air, kind of halfway between Harvey and Monroe, um, and went to go around, I gave it the gun and it didn't nothing happened nothing it gave it it just was uh, so
0: no RPM pickup
1: no RPM pickup
0: no drop but just no RPM pickup
1: yeah and so um, what had happened was um, the on the throttle cables um, they're kind of you know when when you pull the throttle out it, it pulls and you push the throttle in the spring pulls it in right um spring on the carb pulls it in but uh when i when i on the go around when i pushed it in um, it pushed one of the cables pushed too far and so the carbs were out of sync hmm. um, but uh you know the the more you fly the more often you have a chance to deal with issues right and it's like oh I've already had engine problems in the past. So how would you handle this? So so the way I handled it was, um, oh, let me back up. I flew the mission in a, a 152 first. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, the entire mission, uh, almo- almost at the same air speeds.
0: Oh, great. Um, That's a great
1: idea. Yeah. yeah. I, I, and um, every, every every minute of the of the mission uh, of the first flight mission so i already kn- knew where i was right. spatially um and then i just knew okay well just have to make a good landing because <laughs> because i was so you I, had enough I, altitude i had practiced um i had i had practiced so that if anything happened anywhere i always had a landing spot and uh, and I was within landing distance, gliding distance. I tried to stay within gliding distance of Harvey Field. Okay. So I um, I declared a, an emergency and landed. Not event. And, and and then celebrated.
0: <laughs> How long did it take you to realize what had happened?
1: Uh, I, I I went home and then the next day it's like everything worked fine. Nuts. For some reason, it seems like the engine, and I don't really know what happens, but when the engine gets warm, everything expands in the engine compartment. Imagine that. And and it wasn't until I had uh, run the engine for a while uh, and everything was warm that I saw what was happening with the throttle cable.
0: mm. But since then, you've been enjoying this airplane.
1: And then, and then I fixed so I fixed that issue, and then uh, I did poke a hole in the radiator. That was not good. By accident. Uh, by. I'm not quite sure if you'd say an accident. I I, I mounted a, a moose um, insignia uh, right over my radiator. Um, Intake, uh-huh. um, and the way, and actually the painter mounted it for me, and I didn't really look carefully enough on how it was mounted, and the ba- the mounting nuts wound up tapping on the radiator fin. Uh, um, so just over time, the it it, wore through, and- it wore through, and the fluid came out. <laughs> that, that was disconcerting.
0: <laughs> I can imagine because
1: it happened in the air. Um, but fortunately, uh, it was close to Painfield. But it so.
0: wasn't a catastrophic, right? I mean, it wasn't like it was dumping no. gallons over. Oh, but
1: no, but... You can um, smell it. But when you see your uh, engine head temperature right. pegged, you, you know that's not good. Get your attention. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't have audio. Uh, I just had a visual, and I'm glad I had a scan that took that in. Wow. Yeah. So... I bent the landing gear i've i've probably done as as many dumb things as anybody else with (laughs) with a kit plane (laughs) um but when you have a when you have a um a slow airplane like that like the 701 it's pretty forgiving
0: right right um nice and slow beefy gear yeah yeah. Yeah. It's built for uh off-airport type yeah. of uh environment. Yeah. So yeah, and you're not going to set any speed records getting uh, from here to California
1: or Oshkosh. <laughs> <laughs> 25 hours each way. Wow. Yeah. So um but yeah, so that was so knowing so because I I had practiced the mission. Uh-huh. Um, I didn't have to think of what I was going to do when the engines misbehaved because I already You're, knew you what I was to, going to do. Yeah,
0: yeah. and so you stayed like, within the airport, which is yeah, yeah. You want to yeah. do that for your first few hours? Just yeah. make sure that
1: yeah, I pretty much stayed on mission. I didn't practice every mission. I think I only practiced maybe three, um, but I stayed on on plan. Pretty much the whole test program.
0: How big of a practice area did they give you? Do you remember? I think
1: they gave they gave me fifty uh, mile radius.
0: That's pretty good.
1: Yeah, I was pretty happy about that. So it's far enough to have a long flight, you know, around Darrington. Right. Um,
0: At least you could go places and land.
1: And, yeah, and and fly long enough to use up all my gas. Yeah, you know, so because you want to know
0: right
1: uh, how what your fuel burn rate is and, and I didn't know what the rate would be with mo ga- with um, mo gas versus 100 uh, yeah no 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 difference I really? c- no no perceivable difference. Um, the only difference with mo with ab gas is that um, when you put 50 hours on the engine all the, the oil gets black hmm. with, from the lead. Um, and the unlead, with unleaded, you, the oil, even though I changed my oil out, mm-hmm. it's still pretty golden.
0: Yeah. Um, nice and clean.
1: Yeah. Um, but when I did the Oshkosh trip and came back, it was, it was pretty dark. Um, no, no, uh, particles or anything yeah. like that. Uh, cause you, you send. But
0: you were in, burning MoGas or AvGas? AvGas av-
1: the whole yeah. way because av- that's. Because that's yeah. where you have to
0: stop. Yeah, yeah. You couldn't carry five gallon cans with you.
1: Right, but but I would like to figure out a way to. Um, there's a we call it the hell hole. It's a hatch in the bottom. Right. And I'd like to figure out a way to make it more easy to open and shut and and put some type of collapsible gas can in there.
0: So, well, if uh, the unleaded fuel gets well, it has been approved. But if that starts to get distributed, then Even better, yeah. Even better, want to worry about that kind of stuff. So, now that you've gone through this process, is there any advice that you would give to anybody that is, you know, considering building or somebody that's about to go through the the first flight inspection and all that fun stuff? What kind of advice would you give to somebody like that?
1: Yeah. Well, um, you know, it's. I think it's all the same advice that other people have given um, along the way. So I I would only just be given the same advice that, uh, that people have given Um, one. um, Most of these, a lot of these kits are very well designed. Um, Certainly the Sonics and Zeniths and the Rans and Vans of the world. Um, uh, and so, if you follow the, the directions, and they've designed them so that they're relatively easy to build, mm-hmm. um, if, if you follow the directions and don't veer from the quality criteria that they give you, right. that, um, their, their own criteria, the AC, um, the FAA criteria. 43.13. Yeah. And if you don't veer from those then you don't really have to be that worried about flying. Right. Your your your, your airplane is going to be as good as a Cessna 152 or whatever it is. Right. Uh you don't have to be concerned, you don't have to worry at night about it because you follow the directions. Right. And and if you goof, uh, oh well, just get a new piece. Right.
0: That's um, a great piece um, of or, advice. Don't or,
1: settle don't sell, and because you won't, you won't be worried about it. Right.
0: Um, well, those those rigs are there, and they've been paid for in blood. Yeah. And you know, so follow them. Get Tony Bingelis's books. He's got a lot Absolute of good whole, stuff in there. There's so all much the electrical. If, yeah. Yeah. There's so much good information all, out yeah. there. And uh, get the advice from the EA. That's yeah. that's the whole purpose of the EA chapter so, is to get that advice from people that have been so, there.
1: So if you follow the directions and the quality rules you'll be fine and then then it's really nice to over plan your flight test program so that um when things do go wrong they just do i think your Um,
0: idea of flying the mission in a a plane that uh, has similar speeds to what you're doing i think it's a great idea i had never thought of that but that's a great idea oh yeah (laughs)
1: Well, they do it at Boeing. So I learned a lot at Boeing. Pretty much a lot of my airplane comes from yeah. the my experience as an engineer.
0: Boeing's there. been building airplanes for a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Hey, Charlie, this has been fun. Yeah. Um, I learned a lot, and it's great getting to know you better. I hope the listeners get to know you a little bit better, and uh, I hope they learn something from uh, your experiences that they can carry forward. Really appreciate you coming down and spending time with me tonight.
1: Yeah, well, thanks for getting me talking.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad I could do it. (laughs) And now, chapter news for October 2022. This month's meeting will be held on Tuesday, October 11th, 7 p.m. at Harvey Field in Hangar 15. Our guest speaker in October will be retired airshow pilot Dr. Cecilian Aragon. Dr. Aragon is currently an engineering professor at the University of Washington, has taught astronauts to fly, designed software for Mars missions at NASA, and numerous other interesting things throughout her life. You'll just have to come to the meeting to find out about all of the things this accomplished lady has done. The GAMI unleaded fuel continues to make news in the aviation community. The method of compliance has been determined, and as of now, using the fuel will require the owner-operator of an aircraft to purchase an STC. The price of the STC has yet to be determined, but GAMI representatives have stated that they expect that number to be between $150 to $500. The company expects that the fuel will be blended in small batches at first until refineries can adapt their production to make and ship the fuel. Of course, there is still a lot of planning and work to be done before you see this fuel at your local airport. But let's look at the bright side and at least appreciate the progress and hard work that has been completed over the past 13 years to get here. Last month, I attended the Steel National Championship Air Races in Reno, Nevada. The show had some great excitement and also an unfortunate casualty. I can tell you that the racing throughout the week was amazing. That is, when we got to race. Smoke from nearby forest fires put a pause on a lot of the racing. But, in typical Reno racer spirit, the teams aggressively took to the course when the skies were clear enough to race. The crowd started to show up on Wednesday, and by Sunday, the stands were full of spectators. If you've never attended the Reno Air Races, I can tell you that you won't be disappointed when you do. The racing on Sunday was spectacular, with the Sport Class Gold becoming the race everyone looks forward to. During the Sport Class Gold race, the top three contenders all Maydayed almost on the same lap. This left Austrian Matthias Haid in his Thunder Mustang in the lead and for the gold win. Unfortunately, during the jet class gold race, we lost pilot Aaron Hoag when his L-39 went in. Our thoughts and prayers to Aaron's wife and family. I'm sure all of the participants and pilots at Reno, including Aaron, would want the races to continue for many years and hopefully the investigation will prevent this type of event from happening in future races. Well, that wraps it up for this month's podcast. Spread the word about EA Chapter 84 podcast to your aviation friends and family. It's available for download on most popular apps, including Spotify, Apple, and Google. Make sure to hit that like button, subscribe, and yes, give us a five-star review. I might not deserve it, but I'm begging for it. I hope you remember to file a flight plan for next month's podcast. Be sure to find the latest news by following EAA Chapter 84 on social media apps like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'll see you Tuesday. Until next time, this has been your host, David Weber. And remember, stay off the brakes and keep moving forward.